Quit it, but don't get accepted now, isn't it? Be really awkward. Just uh, if any of you were awake early this morning, anyone up early this morning? And if you were around the Coolsden area, you would have seen an amazing sight as the sun was rising. There was Sam and her serum and a motley crew of cyclists uh, cycling down to the Hooley, the Starbucks in Hooley, you know, the one near the motorway. And uh, I fortunately couldn't join them this morning, so I had to be here for nine o'clock. But um, I, uh, on the way to church, we drove past some of them coming to church, and we saw Sam's brother struggling on a, on a flat bit of road. About half a mile later, we saw one of them off their bike having a drink of water on the side of the road. And earlier on, we saw Sam cycling the other way to go back to find somebody else who hadn't quite caught up yet. So, you know, if you want a reason to come to church early on a Sunday, you might spot some very funny-looking cyclists wearing Lycra clothing. Um, well, it's not quite Lycra yet, is it? That's down the line. Anyway, uh, that's not what I'm talking about today. I think that's what they call an icebreaker. Um, I wanted to talk today, um, can we have the, uh, the title screen up, is Built by Fire. And this is something that's been on my heart for a few months, and every time I've gone to share it, I felt that I needed to change the message to talk about something else, but now I think it's the right time to, to share this message. So we're going to look at a passage, which is 1 Peter 1, uh, 5 to 7. It's 1 Peter 1, 5 to 7. I have to give credit to Dave and Judith here. When I said what I wanted to talk about, they pointed me to the exact Bible verse that I needed for this message, which is really good. So this is the NLT version, and it says, And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show you that will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you as bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So I've got a short video. Um, it's done by an American, so excuse the accent, but it's a short video and it's just to show you what the purification of gold looks like. Now the process of refining fine metal starts when gold, silver, platinum, and palladium are delivered to the refinery in several impure forms, some still connected to false teeth and other creepy stuff like that. The lots of precious metals are weighed and tabulated then the lots are combined with flux, which looks a lot like you're actually making matters worse by pouring a bunch of dirty sand in with the metal, but it's actually a very important ingredient. This flux and the impure metal is placed in a vessel called a crucible. This is made from material that can take the heat better than the material inside it. So the crucible is then put into a melting furnace that transforms the metal and flux into a molten material, usually within 30 to 45 minutes. The crucible is then removed and the molten material is poured into a mold, sometimes shaped like a brick or other times like an inverted cone. 
Especially when they use a lot of flux in the cone-shaped mold, the flux fuses with the undesired matter to form a slag that is lighter than the precious metals. The slag naturally floats to the top of the mold, leaving a pure button of metal below. You can then easily separate the metal button from the slag. Once the whole lot has been melted and sampled, it's then remelted and recooled into grains about the size of BBs in order to speed up the extraction process. The grains are then placed into a mantle where an acid solution is used to dissolve the metals into a liquid form. Once the metals are fully dissolved, chemists use other substances to induce reactions that extract the exact metal they are looking for. The results are that you end up with an absolutely pure piece of gold, silver, platinum, or palladium. Cool. A little bit of a science lesson on a Sunday morning. Um, I know when I was preparing this, I was thinking of Mark the whole time. I was thinking, Mark's going to love this. He's going to love a bit of melting metal. I was going to talk about swords as well at one point, and I thought you would be ecstatic about that. So if that was a very top-level overview of the purification of gold, if you want more detail, please go and talk to Mark. He might even give you a, a real-life demonstration if you're really nice to him and buy him some fireworks by way of payment. Is that good, Mark? Good. So um, I wanted to show, to show that experience there. And one of the things that's really, uh, it's all about made by fire. One of the things that's really interesting looking at that Bible passage, it just talks about the purification of gold. And we, when we read things in the Bible and we look at things and read things anywhere, we look at the nice stuff, don't we? You look at the gold that's been purified. Oh, that's nice. Purified gold. Isn't it beautiful? Whenever you look at gold that's not pure, that's got other chemicals, other things inside of it, you look at it and you think that looks a bit dirty. You saw that, that bit of pure metal that was attached to the slag, and you saw in the cone, it was still looked unpure because it wasn't finished in the refinement process yet. And you look at it and you think that's not quite ready yet. But we don't tend to look at the bit in between where the metal's melted in a furnace of burning heat and fire. We tend to ignore that bit in the passage. So when it talks about um, the fact that, that our faith will be tested and we will be purified like gold, we have to be expecting a little bit of heat in our life, a little bit of the purification process. And I wanted to share an experience um, that I had last year um, for me, because this was a big uh, sort of change in my life that I went through, to give you an example of a time when I went through some serious gold purification to become more fit for purpose. Um, so last year, I, I mean, well, for the past few years, I've been working in a, I work as a, um, a director in a small business. So everything needs doing all the time. There's not someone else that's going to do it. If you don't do it, it doesn't get done, and bad things happen to the business. And I ended up working regularly, just 12-hour days, sometimes 14-hour days, in the office early, out the office late, getting home. And it was a lot of work all the time and quite a lot of pressure. And that's all right, doing that when work's going well. So you can work a lot of hours and actually enjoy your work still. And things can be smooth and you're having clients coming in and they like you and they like the service that you're providing and it's an easy time. 
but it becomes very challenging when the clients aren't having a great service and clients start to cancel and the business goes for a rocky period and things are difficult. That's when working long hours and experiencing that side of it at the same time is not very pleasant. Um, and then we, we bought our first house um, last year, which is a blessing, but it turned out to also be quite a phenomenal burden because we thought we just need to put a lick of paint in there, get rid of the smoky smell, and we'll have a nice house that we can live in and maybe have children one day and all that kind of stuff and have our dog in. Um, but it ended up being an entire renovation of the house. So there was periods where we didn't have a bathroom or a kitchen. And we just had this little, honestly, it was, the most, it, was this most, it was a stupid, sad sight where you had in our bathroom, we had like a little uh, tap that didn't have a basin. So we had a bucket underneath it and this little tap that was just hanging in like that and a toilet. And that's where we like washed um, and went to the toilet, obviously. And then we would just eat takeaways for food and unhealthy food. And I ended up going from an environment at work where there was pressure all the time and a lot of things needing done. And then I would come home to a place where there was a whole list of uncompleted tasks. And my mind was const constantly turned on, like constantly turned on. And we started um, to have, go for a period where we were losing clients in the business. And my role is client services, so it makes me look bad. So I was having pressure there, pressure at home, and I went into this, this period where I thought I was fine, and, and I thought things were normal. But Astrid and people around me recognized I wasn't being myself. I remember having a meeting at work with some colleagues. They took me out for lunch, and they just said to me, um, we're a bit worried about you. We think you, you don't seem yourself. Is everything okay? And I cried having lunch, having Chinese with these two colleagues at work. Not like I wasn't sobbing, I was holding it together as much as I could, but had those tears pulling through. And we left the meeting. I said I was gonna go home that afternoon to have a break. I phoned up Astrid and then I sobbed on the phone to Astrid for a little bit. And then I said to them in the meeting, I said, I think we're gonna lose all of our clients. It's all gonna go wrong. The whole thing's falling down, it's collapsing. It's all just terrible. And I had this real catastrophe thinking that the whole world was gonna collapse and my whole life was gonna fall through and I was gonna lose the mortgage and all the work we'd done and be nothing and all that, that kind of thinking. And um, I got back to the office just to finish some emails off and then go home. And I had another cancellation from a big client sitting in my inbox. Whilst we're having lunch, that email came in. And they were a lovely client as well. And I was gutted out of nowhere. And I remember I just forwarded it to the people I just had lunch with who needed to see that email and then went home. And I went home, thought I was fine, wasn't in a good mood, was kind of annoyed and just flat and just a bit emotionless. And I remember I got home, went upstairs, Ashley was home, and I just, um, it just hit me like a ton of bricks out of nowhere. And I just, like, I went to like some infantile state where for like an, like an hour I was having like a series of panic attacks I was sobbing, I was uncontrollable, like just completely lost all ability to be an adult <laughs> for that time. And I didn't know what to think, what to do, what to do with my body. It was just a really awful uh, moment of time. And that was a reaction to all the stuff that had been building up over the past months and years, etc. So Ashley was amazing and she sent me off to my mum and dad's house. My dad even phoned work. <laughs> So director of a company's dad phones work to say, hey, where's his boss? He's not going to come in for a little bit. He's having some time off. And I had a week off, uh, a week off work. And I remember doing nothing, like literally just nothing um, for that week, which was lovely. And I went back to work for a little bit because I was going to have December off, the whole of December off to have some rest. Um, and I was, a, I was emotional. I was a wreck. I, when I came back to work, 
little things would happen. I'd be crying over stupid things that aren't necessarily into crying over. And it was just like a really, I felt a bit broken. And I was kind of thinking, I'm actually going to be, is this me permanently, permanently like this? Because I've always taken mental health seriously, but I've never really understood how it happens to people. And I thought, because I was doing all this stuff and all this pressure and I was handling it, I was thinking, well, you know, I think I was doing okay. But in reality, what happened was, you've seen the progression of my body shape transform over two years. I put on a lot of weight. I wasn't looking after myself. And all this stuff happened, and then, boom, it hit me. And now I understand how important those things are, mental health is and those things. I took a month off in December, and I came back to work in January. And what's... The reason why I share that story um, is hopefully it relates to, resonates with somebody here. But I went back to work and the situation wasn't changed. All that had changed was that I suddenly couldn't cope with it anymore. And I had time off and I came back, but the situation was still there. There was still this, we restructured the business and work was much more sustainable. But there was still pressure here, there was still pressure at home, to get all these things done. But what had changed was over that period when I was in the fire, God used that time to refine a lot of things in me. And it came, I came back in January a much stronger person. I was much more assertive and able to communicate what needed to be done more efficiently, quickly, and strongly to get action completed. And it made me a better leader at work. And it made me a better leader in church as well. And a person who's more confident in doing what I'm doing and need to do what needs to get done. And looking back at that time now, if I look back at the pictures, when, I remember when we were living in this like building site, I remember saying, Ashley, I can't wait. So one day we look back at these pictures and we think, oh, look at that, it's such a stupid time. And we laugh at the, there's a picture of us when we get the keys on the first day and I'm holding Astrid in my arms and we always joke how stupid and naive we were back in those days. It was only six months ago, or now it's a year ago, um, because we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. But even looking back at those pictures, I don't actually go, oh, look how far we've come. I go, I don't, actually, I don't actually like looking at those pictures because it was a rough period of time. And it delayed stuff I wanted to do here at church and in work. It was just a rough old time. But actually, the, the person that I am now is a far better person for the task that God has and calling on my life. And God, I was in that fire. I was in that furnace, I was being molded, I was being melted, and God used that to purify elements of my life to bring me out to be a better, more fit for purpose, precious metal, ready to do the job at hand. And if you, when you're watching that video, it's not a one-step process. You don't purify, you don't heat it and take it out and it's purified. You have to reheat it, and you have to redo that process to make sure it's pure. And, and iron mongery, generally, you're constantly reheating metal to make sure it's ready and fit for purpose. If you've got a sword, there's like a four-stage heating process where you have to continuously heat the metal and then cool it and quench it to make sure that it's strong enough and resilient enough not to shatter if it was used in battle or, or, or a situation. But being in that situation, being in the fire, it's not a fun place to be. It's a bit of a rough place to be. What's encouraging about this Bible verse that we're in is a few things here. I want to pull out um, and do this. One of the, in, in verse 7, it says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. 
So the trials that we go through, the fire that we're molded in and we're, we're melted down by and purified by, if we live and, ha- and hold our faith through that time and live righteously in that period, it's going to show not just to ourselves and to God, but also to other people around us that our faith is genuine. I'm guessing people here have family members and friends who aren't Christians and don't know who Jesus is. And when our faith is really tested, it's then that they see how genuine our faith is. And if we lose the plot and turn our back on everything and walk away from it, ooh, it's kind of a sign that our faith wasn't strong enough for that situation. Whereas if we walk into a situation with our strength, with our faith strong, and we approach it from a righteous way, and we do the thing that people don't expect us to do, but we do what God wants us to do, that shows to other people around us, wow, that person's faith is genuine and strong. And why is it genuine and strong? And why can they handle that stuff? I want to say in that, during the stuff I was going through, uh, there was many times when I was not righteous in that situation because it was hard. I didn't, I didn't think. I didn't think. I wasn't going through stuff and going, ooh, I'm in the furnace right now. I'm being melted. I'm going to come out like gold at the other side. I wasn't thinking like that. I was just going through it and doing my best. And through that process of the extraction of all the things that shouldn't have been there, I developed and grew and I got better and purer during that time. So when, I first, when things were first going on, I was angry at certain people and at certain things. And then I started praying for certain people and certain things. And that attitude shifted. So when I go forward in my ministry and or work, I know that how to approach situations in a very, very different way. So these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So just if you're sitting in a furnace at this very moment, sitting in church, and you're going through a bit of fire, know that you have an opportunity to show yourself and other people around you that your faith is genuine. That's good news, in my opinion. The other thing that um, in this passage um, that's interesting is it says that this will only be for a short while. I'm trying to find the exact bit here. So it says in verse 6, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for for a little while. The two things there, there's wonderful joy ahead. And the, the, the joy it's talking about and the verses that precede this section of the passage, it's talking about heaven and the inheritance that we have when we die. So having faith in Jesus gives us access to heaven. So what it's saying in the passage is you only have to endure some of these trials in your life for a short period of time before you get your inheritance and there's wonderful joy and wonderful things and wonderful life ahead. I think that's there to give us some perspective on the situation that we're in at the moment because I'm horrendously bad at perspective when it comes to life. I like to think I'm good at it and I can look at some situations and go and think strategically but there's people that think strategically at this level and then some people that think strategically at this level and some think at this level and then you see people thinking strategically. You know, people talk about Elon Musk and the things that he's trying to do with the environment and stuff. You think, whoa. That guy is a genius. But God has a totally different perspective from all of us on those things. And actually, 
we're talking about an eternity in heaven. So what we have on earth is a little while. It's not a long old while. It's a little while. Now, just on that, it's not saying, when I'm talking about this passage, I'm not saying that you are going to have a miserable time on earth. And your life is going to be just fire and burning and horribleness. And, but don't worry, because you'll die soon and go to heaven. That's not, the, that's not the message that I'm saying. But this gives perspective to people and to us when we're looking at situations that we're in. And I've, spoke, I've said this on, on a number of occasions. I've talked about the fact that suffering is, is something that, that happens. But when we're in the fire, in the furnace, it's very easy to be angry and disappointed at life and or God. And it's very easy to turn up, not to turn up, well, yes, turn our back on him, but just to blame him for that or to blame things around us for those things and think that maybe God doesn't really love me because I have this sickness or God doesn't really love me because this person I know is sick. Well, God doesn't really love me because this awful thing has happened in my life and I'm in this situation now where I'm alone, I'm by myself and I don't know what to do. I'm not sure really if God cares about me or he loves me. Has anyone ever thought that before in their life? And it's easy when we come to church and we pray to look at the, the, the things that say, you know, the, I read Proverbs 10:18, which is Lord, the God, um, God is our, our safe place, basically, for the godly. And we read powerful verses and passages about God, which are so very true, but we can't miss the reality of life that these things are difficult to go through. And when we look at any uh, leader in the Bible, look at Paul, who writes letters from jail, look at Joseph and his uh, coat, and he went to slavery and to prison and to whatever to come fulfill and become the right-hand man of a king of Egypt. You look at Jesus, who died on a cross at the end of his life to set us free from sin. Those things, we're talking about the might and power of God, which are real, and we have to apply that to our real life. And in our real life, there are going to be times when it is testing, when it is hard, and God isn't necessarily sitting over you and making your life hard just to test you. I think often he uses situations that you're in to also purify and test you at the same time. It says in the Bible that, that God and Jesus, they don't, he doesn't tempt us. He's not tempting us to sin. If we're struggling with sin, it's not God sitting there tempting us to sin as a test. That's something else. That's normally the enemy trying to tempt us to sin, to pull us away from what we're doing. But I'm talking about things in our life that God can use to purify our hearts. And I think when I was, and the reason why I shared what I shared about my own life, my own perspective on this thing earlier, is because I think we need to be real with each other in this room. If we're going to have a chance at having the faith that glorifies and praises and worships God. Because I think when I went through that stuff, I only told a very select few people. And that, I'm not saying we have to hang out our washing to, to drive everyone. But it's all right to say that we're not okay sometimes. And a, a shout, I have to do a shout out, you, I should mention earlier. Dave and Judith and Sam and Hannah were just absolutely amazing during that time last year. Because I know 
Thank you. That's a nice scented tissue. <laughs> that kind of gave me a little sharp citrusy shock to bring you back in. But they, those people I mentioned, and other people, were amazing over that time. And actually, when you're in that, when you're in a situation that's tricky, sometimes you need people around you to help push you through. And that's what church is. It's not a building. It's it's a community of people. And what I'm really passionate about going through into uh, ministry and associate pastor and that sort of stuff isn't I'm not interested in a church building or having a sick sort of brand and colour. I'm interested in a community of active people who are praying with each other, who are supporting each other, or building each other up. And like being real, life is difficult sometimes, you know what I mean? And that and f- and for me that that's for me is the most trialing probably time year of my life I've had to date. And I know people we've been praying this morning, people are going through things in the fire at the moment who are going through things more severe and, and things that are, are different and I think that I just wanted to bring this this passage back to back to the front of us all you know this is a if you're sitting there in the fire right now in the furnace I want to say to you that God loves you that God hasn't forgotten you that there's people around you that love you and haven't forgotten you and actually, there's an opportunity lying within this situation that is going to help purify your heart and purify you as a person to make you a better person for the things that God has promised. And there's an opportunity here in the situation you're seeing. We're standing and we're turning and we're clapping Darren for the amazing things and things he's doing. And there's a whole room full of people that are seeing a man whose faith's been tested and grown as a result of that. And that's impacted all of us in, that, all of us in this room. And there's opportunities for all of us to have that in those things that are in. So I just encourage you now, if you're sitting in the fire a little bit, try and think about that positive side of it. That you are in a position where God is going to grow you and build you into something better and stronger and more fit for purpose. And it says here that a precious metal is nothing compared to your faith. How precious is that faith that God is growing in your heart and doing things for you at the moment? So I wonder if I can invite the band to come up, if that's all right. And if they can just, you can start playing if you want. Um, What I wanted to do this morning was, um, in fact, before before I even start saying that, I think what's been really interesting over the past three weeks, if you look at the three messages we had over the last three weeks, was that message about the different Ittites having a war together. Judith and I didn't know the names of the war. The people, there's the Ittites fighting the Ittites who are fighting this Ittites and they're all in an Ittite war. Um, but we were praying last week about breakthrough and praise comes for the breakthrough because of that passage where you had the army going out to face a much bigger army. And what they did was they praised before they got there and the two armies fought each other when they arrived. Everyone was dead and the war was won, the battle was finished. So what I want us to do this morning is if you're in a bit of a furnace, if you're in a bit of fire and you feel like you're being made into something new by fire, I want to encourage you to be bold and just come forward and stand at the front. And people aren't going to stand and pray for you, but we're going to worship together 
and then we're going to stretch out our hands and as a church we're going to lift up our voices and we're going to pray for those people at the front and just uplift them in that situation because I think we all need that and whilst we shower and put on some clothes and we try and look nice and put on a brave face we're family here and let's let's support each other in that stuff and let's not pretend that life isn't hard sometimes and let's not pretend that that we've got growth to grow um, and let's remember that that God is using us in amazing ways that we're not even seeing look at that perspective look at the future that we have and here's an opportunity for God to grow you even further so please if you've got a niggling burning in your heart or kicking to come forward do come forward and we're going to pray together as a church and we're going to just praise God and we're going to praise God for the breakthrough we're going to praise God for the for thank, thanking him for the things that he gives us and we're going to praise God to see our hearts and our lives be purified more for the purpose of his kingdom
sing a bit louder. Church, let's stretch your hands out to the front to these people who are standing here now. And let's keep praising. We're going to keep worshipping. Let's lift these people up and let's praise for them.
God, we thank you for these people at the front of the church right now and for their courage to step forward and say, I need some help getting through the fire that I'm in at the moment. And God, we want to pray your glory over their lives and over their situations, God. We pray that this time in their life is going to be a time of faith building, a time where um, things that aren't of you that are in their lives can be removed. And Lord, I pray that we can all just um, support them and watch as we see people's faith grow in our community and in our church and in our area, God. And I pray that we can be with them every step of the way as we pray with them, as we help uplift them, God, and as we help in the journey you have in purifying their hearts and purifying their lives, God. And I want to pray for the peace that transcends all understanding over every person standing at the front of this room right now, God. We want to pray a peace and a joy. The Bible says that if we come before you in submission as a humble person, aware of our sins, aware of our errors, Lord, that you can give us a peace that transcends all understanding. We pray that over every person here. They can have a peace and a joy that doesn't make sense in the situation, but is gifted from you because you love them and care for them, God. We pray for that peace. And we pray that their faith will grow and build from this situation. And there can be fruit and things that they can't even see waiting at the end of that journey that is going to be bigger and better than they have now and bigger and better than they're hoping and praying for now, Lord. We pray for increase and growth in everyone here who is standing forward saying, God, help me now. Great. God's got many names, you know. One of them ought to be Furnace Walker. Because if you look in your Old Testament, you'll find three chaps that refused to bow down to an idol because of their faith in God. And they were chucked into a fiery furnace to punish them. Except God was with them and they didn't die. And then when the king looked in, he went, went, how many did he throw in there? And his official said, three, sir. Well, either I need to go to Specsavers or I can't count, but I can count four. Jesus appeared in the furnace with those guys. So you are never, ever alone in a furnace. You've got family, but God will always be with you because he has promised he will never leave you, never forsake you, no matter how hot the furnace is. Just look to your side and find him. Okay? And they came out of that furnace having a, an awesome relationship, experience with God that they could, no one could ever take away. It just escalated their relationship with God and faith in him. And that's exactly what your furnace will do. Shout out to you, mate. We love you. You're the genuine article. Well, unfortunately, we ought to go home, really, in a bit, didn't we? I mean, I could stay here all day with this church. I think you're lovely. So we're going to have uh, tea and coffee. We do have the fair share. We've had a break over summer.